So I've tried this before, and I think I've got it down now, where it's like, we can not only do a lot, but also knock out a podcast. Two birds, one stone? Check, check. Two, two birds, one stone. Is that one of those videos up there? Oh, God, I hope not. What's up, guys? Hi. Um, hopefully one of the first times we've actually gotten this right. And so far, so good. So we're recording. Expectations here. should be low. I mean, generally speaking, yes. <laughs> I think that's a good rule of thumb. But uh, cheers to a happy Sunday. What's up, everyone? <sighs> so good when it hits your lips. Hope so, you guys are having a good weekend. Getting some projects done. Or out on adventure somewhere. All right, let's kick this thing off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rig for Dirt. I'm your host, Ali, joined by... Eric with American Overland. And Eric is the new co-host for Rig for Dirt. So as we continue to see where this thing takes us, um, it'll be mostly Eric and I. We'll get Frank on here from time to time, too. But I think, uh, I think especially with everything we've got going on, it just kind of made sense to just start doing this as well. Yeah, we're going to be in each other's garages for the next couple of months while we figure out these Subarus. Yep. Uh, we're well on our way to the build. The build has officially begun. Products are installed and yep. more and more on the way. So uh, you're stuck with me for at least the next couple of months, guys. At least. Um, I think I think people usually tend to last with me for at least a few months. So we'll be good. <laughs> Frank made it an entire four and a half years. So that's good run, good. good run, Frank. good run, Frank. Um, but uh, but yeah, we are uh, we are in the middle of it. Um, a couple of things I wanted to go over today on this episode of the podcast. We are in my garage, and if you hear a little clinking and clanking in the background, that's the that's our dogs, uh, Scout and Leroy. Just uh, being stoked on each other and scalping a spaz over there. Dogs um, doing dog stuff. Dog doing dog shit. Mostly yeah. wrestling. That's funny. He never gets a chance to play like that. No, Happy's down for the count right now. So yeah. his his wrestling partner is uh is on the the injured list. Yeah. Uh, we got uh oh. So I might I might acknowledge a couple people as they pop up on the live feed. We're doing an Instagram live at the same time. So what's up, either Jared or Ben from the Average Overlanders? Uh, good friends, um, partners, if you will, in, in this whole space and, and good people to uh, listen in on. So if you get tired of me or Eric or Frank, uh, depending on which episode you're on, uh, you uh, can go ahead and listen over to uh, the Average Overlanders. And they've got a nice little podcast of their own. Awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to see different perspectives, at least the idiots that want to share it with everyone, um, because not everybody has to go broadcast everything they do. But for whatever reason, uh, for whatever partners, it just makes sense to uh, to do this. Yeah. It kind of gives them value. Yeah. And I always like to hear stories about other people's adventures and see what people are up to, inspires new travels and, uh, you know, places. Yeah. New trips, modifications, yeah. things that went well, things that didn't. Right. We did a couple things recently um, that we'll also get into. So a couple things. One, who are you is what I'd like to kind of dig into a little bit more. Um, I've known you for pretty much the whole time I've been doing this. It's mm -hmm. almost been like, I think we're on five years of knowing each other and going out there and doing shit. And um, now we're kind of working together on these Subaru projects. Um 
Hey, quiet. Yeah, here, we we met on the trail. Yeah, it was on, with, a, on a classic trail, the Mojave Road. That was a very interesting trail. Actually, it, it was. Yeah, we got some we got some uh, cold weather and some snow, followed by some rain, a couple of breakdowns on the Mojave Road. Where I remember as we were starting to hear that there was the possibility of snow, I remember you turning to me and going, "Ollie, have you ever seen snow in the desert?" And I'm like. No, I, I don't think I have. It'll blow your mind. It still does. And it still, it, it I, still does. I've seen it twice now, once in, on the Mojave and once in Moab. Tufts of snow on top of cactuses. It's some surreal, like Dr. Seuss kind of, the snow shouldn't be on top of a cacti. Right. So it's still, it still kind of throws my mind for a loop. But we got some good snow. It was sticking to the ground. Yeah. And uh, yeah, everything was covered. That was Camp Phallus. Camp Phallus, yeah. Because there's a large stone. There's a large rock that looks a like a phallic formation. So, good good camp name. Appropriate. Aptly named. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but that was a cool trip. That was, uh, that was, everything had been done on my Jeep. And I was just starting to get out there with, with people. And I remember Brad hit me up. He's like, hey, you want to come out with a bunch of guys? And I'm like, sure, let's go. And uh, that was a great trip. That was where uh, Rob broke his shock and yep. cut that journey a little early. And I ended up uh, bouncing with him early on that. But yeah, we saw the snow cooked in the snow the night before woke up in the morning and just had a fucking winter wonderland Yeah, in what used to be just red rock, like Moab sand yeah. desert. Um, High altitude desert turned into just snow capped mountains. Yeah. And you were a lot more active back then yourself, right? Um, I mean, I did, I, I, I did get out, every other weekend and i still try and still try and get out but probably not as often as i was yeah so what got you so let's let's kind of rewind a little bit what got you into uh this whole world of outdoor adventure and whatnot i mean you've got a couple cool stories of your own that we've talked about you've been on this podcast before yeah a couple times yeah so the purpose for the jeep the, the whole reason i built it was access to remote wilderness right um, I, I love camping. I love camp spots where you don't have neighbors, uh, truly remote camping where you're the only ones around for miles and miles. And those, those campsites are, are oftentimes you have to either hike into them or you have to have a capable four wheel drive. Right. And so, uh, back in 2013, I hiked the Appalachian trail. Got to camp for 150 nights or so. 150 nights. How many months is that? Five months. Five months. Five Just... months of walking from Georgia to Maine. Were you off-road the entire time? Um, yes. Yeah. You, you, you do. come into town a couple times, right? It's a series of three to five day backpacking trips. Every three to five days, you can uh, basically hitchhike into town. Okay. And uh, some, of the, some of the towns are literally along the trail. Some of them are just a few miles off. And it's not awkward or weird all the locals know it's not like you're carrying 159 days worth of supplies on you exactly on the trail no and, and you you end up sending back your you know once once the frost has ended and there's no chance of snow you send back your fleece layers your heavyweight sleeping bag your, oh you like ship them away you ship your stuff home right. and, and have have a, a shipment waiting of your lightweight gear and i've, uh, I've heard about this of like keep stations. the pack weight down it's funny. I have a book over there to your right. It's Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Yeah. And uh, it's a great, that's a great accounting of someone who did the PCT trail. Yeah. 
at a time in their life when they needed some clarity. Did you, were you at that kind of fork or was this just like, have you been raised in the outdoors and this was just something that you felt like, you know, my family did a bunch of, uh, adventure travel. Uh, I've, I've done an Amazon safari and an African safari okay. and some of those used off-road vehicles and we were, you know, camping like land rovers and shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, vintage land rovers and, and Hiluxes are, are always popular. Um, but for the most part, uh, off-roading came to me uh, as a kid out in Arizona, motorcycles, uh, ATVs, Honda Pilots, uh, just kind of playing around and off-roading in the desert. And that kind of met with my camping from the Appalachian Trail. And so now that I'm working Monday through Friday, like a typical adult, uh, you know, you want to make the weekends feel as long as they possibly can. Right. And so that's what started the Jeep project was I want a vehicle that could get me to the most remote areas. And so was that it was that, that kind of like sense of adventure of growing up on these trips and then doing the Appalachian Trail. And just this was like the natural progression where it's like, you know what? I want to go do this every weekend if I can. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people want to go to, you know. Coachella or go to Vegas or I don't hate pe Coachella. People spend their money in different ways. I I I would rather outfit a vehicle and have that be my ticket to adventure and then you know your cost for entry on the weekends to say yes to a camping trip is real low. It's real easy just to add your clothes, add your food you want to eat and roll. If that's, the vehicle's always ready to in a position where it's always ready to roll. Yeah, always packed, always. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, I mean I, I like to think of myself as somebody who likes to go into credit card debt and still do the things like going to Coachella and, and all that. But, um, but no, I mean, some of the best times that I've had have been outdoors on the trail with friends. It's, and I love when Ashley comes out with me too. So then it's like the perfect trifecta of family needs met, outdoor needs met, friend needs met, like all good. Um, and just getting out there. So was your, was your, did your father have an off-road vehicle at all? Or Growing that... up, we had a uh, custom uh, Suburban. Okay. And it was it was done by one of those turnkey vehicle modification no places. Shit. You saw it? it? Colorado Conversions did a uh, six-inch lift and 35s and had had a TV in the back when TVs were still tube TVs, right. a VCR player. It was, it was really what a... What year? Dude, I think it was a 99 Suburban. It was the last year of the... Uh, Last year of the 454. So okay. maybe it was in 1998. And I assume you guys got rid of that thing. Yeah. yeah. My wow. brother ended up lifting it, um, putting it on 40s. and Really? Yeah. You still have it? No, he doesn't have oh, it anymore. He, it. he got rid of it a while ago. He but, could have uh, sold it for twice as much now. Oh, I'm sure. With the way the market got crazy on yeah. old school fucking iron. Yeah. Yeah. The, Square square body. Square body. That was the square much. body, right? It That's, still it still was. Yeah. Not the traditional seventies truck square right. body, but it, it was the it was a tank. The nineties square body, yeah. Which are still like the Broncos and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I think sure. it got six miles to the gallon. It was crazy. Fuck, it's so bad. Yeah. It's like what the Jeep gets. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say you can relate. Can you're not relate. you're not too much better. You know, it's funny with getting into the suburban of mine, like the it's whatever, the seventy one, seventy two suburban that I have in the backyard. Um it's uh that's at the forefront of my head and I'm just coming to grips with let it go. Like the gas mileage is going to suck. It's a fucking tank on wheels that you're building here. Whatever motor you put in, will be struggling a decent amount to mm -hmm. like get that thing from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
you know, just accept uh, the whatever five miles you're going to get on, on that vehicle. Or do the full-on, like, uh, retro mod electric upgrade. Right, right. And I, throw, throw a Tesla motor in there and some battery packs and... You know, my buddy Jesse... Silent killer. Well, my buddy Jesse at Dana, they just came out with a whole drivetrain for uh, electric vehicles, like all the motors. Oh, really? So for people who want to do, like, the retrofit conversions. Huh. And I'm like, hmm. But then you think... Those cars alone, those those vehicles alone are like 5,000 pounds. Like the battery packs I hear are an additional like, what, 2,000 pounds of batteries that mm-hmm. have to go? I mean, that is a substantially heavy, heavy vehicle. Granted, yeah. you have unlimited torque, but dude, I break shit. I've broken shit on a standard Pentastar V6. I've broken shit on an LS5.3 let alone the unlimited torque of electric. Like, you're going to break shit. Yeah. You're still breaking shit. Yeah. So. Uh, if, you, um, you, if you use it hard, you're going to break stuff. But I think this is going to be like the national park, like, grocery, go-getter. Like, it's it's the, let's go to Sequoia. Okay. We rented our spot. Like, yeah. This is not like, let's go check out where that trail goes. Yeah. And let's go up that rock. No, it's it's more of like the... Let's go have everything we need. And Let's like, go check out where that tr- the uh, with the Subaru. Hopefully soon. Uh, for think, you, maybe. I think once it has a winch on the front yeah. and a recovery bumper in the rear. Uh, really excited about the locking differential. Can't wait to test that out on the trail. So, what Eric's getting at, if you guys haven't paid like you know tuned in yet, if this is like your first episode, we are working on a side by side 2023 Subaru Crosstrek. Uh, build project with tread magazine torco usa and a plethora of amazing partners um least least of which are like shock surplus and vector off-road which we're going to talk about in a minute here and uh, milestar tires and rake wheels and you know we've got goose gear i mean there's so many great names attached to what we're doing and um it's been a whirlwind of like phone calls and you know emails and just coordination a lot of planning a lot of planning um so again i don't want to get too far off track from you as a person so real quick like let's let's try to sum it up you got into the jeep thing based off of the outdoor adventure lifestyle that you had kind of grown up living and and been about and like the trail that you did for five months the appalachians uh appalachians the appalachia trail Mm -hmm. um so you got the Jeep, like you were, you were, you got pretty heavy into like the social stuff, the photography, um, you and your girlfriend were out there doing all kinds of things together. Yeah. Uh, you even like to talk about all that stuff. Like, wasn't there like some contests you were part of too? Like, so when, when I was upgrading the Jeep, it was, uh, it was a time where it was kind of like just on the forefront of becoming popular, this mm-hmm. overlanding concept and scene, um, Car camping's always been around, but overlanding started getting notice and, and becoming, there was a community being built up around it. So it was like a early participant, um, you know, found that community. And that's kind of where I got linked in with authentic folks that lived near me that was doing the same thing. Okay. Kind were of you, sharing those ideas. Were you finding, with the San Diego Jeep Club? Um, I wasn't a member of the San Diego Jeep Club, but I hung out with a lot of people that were. Um, I found a lot of those clubs to be more based on just like rock crawling 
And the type of off-roading I was doing was not to, like, conquer an obstacle. Right. It was more to, like, go Get out to and a see. Location. Yeah, go out and see stuff. Spend the weekend doing adventure, you know, travel. And like you said earlier, I wonder where that trail goes. Right. And just figuring out where the trail goes for no other reason than to just know then it's where a, that trail then, goes. Then for the fact that it's a is a designated trail, by the way, if, if you see a fork in the road and there's no sign... Chances are it's not an actual trail. Mm-hmm. It's something that somebody created mm-hmm. that you shouldn't go on. Um, I'm just putting that out there because there's been so much more activity uh, with my buddies with the Forest Service posting pictures about people just blazing their own paths. Making roads where there shouldn't making be. Making roads. And the problem is a lot of those sections that they're trying to you know, turn into a new road illegally are sections that the Forest Service is maybe rehabbing or trying to rehabilitate. Uh, which was the case of uh, this one spot that my buddy, our buddy Adam, that we just talked to the last time, um, on last last the last episode that we had, mm-hmm. uh, he was dealing with recently, where it's like you see the road and then there's just tire tracks going all over the place. He's like, yeah, we're gonna have to do another project on this one. Or I don't know exactly what it takes, but it sounds like it's work. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's unfortunately that's how areas get shut down. That's how our privileged access gets taken away. Is, you know, by folks driving off of the designated paths. There's plenty of miles of designated paths. There's a lot, uh, and it's just because just because it's designated doesn't make it bad either. Like, there's a lot of amazing trails. Like, once Big Bear opens up again, which it can't happen soon enough, um, there are so many cool trails like that go beyond like the average ones that you heard about, like whether it's Deep Creek or, um, you know, Holcomb, John Bull, like all these different areas that you might have like traditionally heard of bronco peak and sidewinder are like yeah different trails that you body damage expected yeah like you will you will rip your bumpers off is that in big bear as well yeah 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 up in that area and it's it's there's a couple of trails up in the area that are there's mild there's wild as you want to get without having to blaze a new trail yeah and it's available it's like legal to be on um i won't even name names right now just because i don't want to burn burn uh the the spots but you know I, I i broke both of my rear shocks going up uh big bear trail out there uh with one of the locals uh, we were hanging out with one of the locals and we went on this trail and it looks so easy especially going with somebody like my buddy adam who he has set up his vehicle to only rock crawl basically mm-hmm. he puts a fridge in there acting like he's an overlander but he's not he's no. just he just drinks white claws um <laughs> but um but he made it look super easy so i'm like i'm just gonna go that same line and I go up and then I get hung up and then I turtle out and then through some horrible chain of events, smash, smash the front left knuckle and assembly just grenaded it. And then the rear two shocks just said peace out and all on the same obstacle on the same spot. Wow. Yeah. That's it. It was fucked. Yeah. I had I had uh, U-shaped springs in the rear, like everything was still together. So the springs were like they had enough grip on their their mounts where they mounted to that they were able to like kind of taco, but still act like somewhat of a shock absorption. (laughs) It was so bad. (laughs) And it stayed that way for like two days. And then finally, I got it back home. I pulled those springs out. I pulled everything out. I took the springs over to Eibach. And this is literally, this is not like me trying to give Eibach anything other than the fact of what actually happened. It's just facts. Fucking took it back to Eibach, hung out with Mark and one of his guys. They did their normal bench testing of like how true it was, like what 
the compression. They tested everything on their machines. There's a video that I have of all this going down. They're like, well, if it was if it was a fresh coat of paint on here, it'd be ready to sell. It'd be within spec for it brand new product. Spec for brand new product. Yeah. Compression. Forty eight hours of taco, like just bent. Like it was. I was like, there's no way these springs are true anymore. That's crazy. And like I the, drove on it. The memory of the spring, yeah. like even being forced in that unnatural spring like condition. Yeah. To being taco that, that just returns to its normal normal state. It's normal coil shape and it's it's memory is retained with no damage. That's right. crazy. It's like there's so much of that shit out there where it's like you realize what the difference is between a really good product. Yeah. Again, not a plug for Ibach. They've supported me. That's why I'm talking about them, but They've done a good job. Oh, it's fact fact of. That's why they're yeah. the industry leader in springs, right? Like the fucking industry leader springs versus some knockoff company that got them cheaply made, manufactured somewhere. Um, that's the difference. And there's so many products out there that are like that. But again, tangent, we're, we're getting off track. So go back into you talking about getting out there. So the Jeep was originally... Uh, my my camping getaway for the weekends the project was always revolved around uh two people seven days 500 miles those yeah. were the parameters which i wanted those are like the north so, star so that's for funny the build. i've got mine what was your parameters two people and my okay. dog seven days seven days 500 so, miles live within the vehicle for seven days for a duration of 500 miles yeah, I wanted to be able to carry enough fuel to get the vehicle to run 500-mile uh, tracks uh, without fuel stops. Okay. And uh, I wanted the fridge, freezer, and the onboard, like, cook systems and storage to have enough food for seven days. Okay. That way, for route planning, if I want to push the vehicle to its maximum, and you obviously need to be well-organized and right. planned out. I can't have as much beer chilling in the fridge <laughs> right. as I optimally would like. There's, uh, there's got to be when there's, there's seven be days worth stuff. of yeah, yeah meat and produce that needs to stay cold. Have you done seven days? Yeah, yeah, Mul- multiple times. Um, down into Mexico, okay. up into uh, up into Northern California, fly yeah. fishing trips and such. You're still resupplying during that seven days. Oftentimes, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but but what you're hang on a second. Hey, come here. The dogs are just. Losing their shit because somebody came home and opened up a door. They want to say hi. They want to say hi. Yeah. Um, but your ultimate goal is that you would have enough onboard food and supplies to make it that seven days. Yeah, if needed. Got it. Yeah. That's Just great. for route planning. And um, I think the amount of fuel I have on the vehicle right now is 400 miles. Okay. I can strap more up on the roof if needed. That's so nice. I can hit my 500-mile goal if I want to. Must be But nice. there's just not a need for 500 miles of fuel when you're carrying it in auxiliary tanks. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not, I would have to be passing gas stations, but there is some places that I go fly fishing that are a good two, two and a half hour drive. Really? From like, after you get fuel, you don't get to the fly fishing location for another two hours. No shit. And then your drive back down the mountain is another two hours. So there, there's a couple spots that I go where, where it's you, like you could run out if you don't have the range. You don't have fuel at camp to go exploring. That's crazy. And so you, you do, you do like have to turn the vehicle off, and you're like, I would want to go check out that next mountain range over, but like I don't have. I, I know that I won't burn as much fuel on the way down the mountain as I did on the way up. Right, but you're already you're already below a half a tank 
and you've already used your reserve fuel. So it's like, all right, there's there's a couple areas where 400 miles of range isn't quite enough. But welcome to the story of my life. I, I think I get 180 on a full tank. 180 on a tank, and then you carry like uh, four, four gallons. Just just four. I gallons. carry emer- my fuel. My extra fuel is emergency fuel only. Yeah, and four gallons for you is not even 40 miles. I mean, it's barely anything. It's like four times seven is yeah. 28. Right, not even thirty miles. Yeah, wow. not even thirty miles. Yeah. But hopefully enough to get me somewhere safer. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, or have the vehicle on so I can charge something. Or you know, it's those types of things that you you start to think of your vehicle also as a generator. Yeah. It's not just. Um, it's not just uh, uh, what you might call it. It's not just uh, a means of travel. It's also a means of just survival, uh, depending on where you're at. Cause it could get sketchy. Like I've seen these videos of people getting stuck in their, in their vehicles, uh, in places that are pretty remote. And if it wasn't for the fact that somebody came to their rescue, I mean, they'd be pretty fucked. Yeah. I've seen pictures and heard stories of vehicles that people didn't have the knowledge of what to do when their vehicle got stuck. And, uh, and they, they could have just aired down the tire. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And then the people that come by to rescue the vehicle don't even use a tow rope. They just air down the vehicle to 10 PSI and drive it out under its own power. Could you imagine yeah, seeing like, that dude, happen been, in front yeah, of you? Yeah, you've been stuck for days, and people have lost their lives in that exact same scenario. Not knowing what to just do. Just not knowing the, the simple rescue technique. So um, it's one of those things that I I get asked a lot on the Jeep, like, oh, what size lift should I go with? What size tires should I go with? And I'm, I'm a big fan of figuring out what the limits of your vehicle are right. and what the limits of you as a driver are before making upgrades and then that way like, you know what the vehicle could do before the upgrade and yeah. you appreciate what it can do after the upgrade take it out and find in its, its limits. stock form yeah, yeah find its limits find out where it's scraping what type of surfaces it does well on and then the modifications will be a little bit more tailored for the expectations of the vehicle the end use the driver their skill level i mean 37s help out but it's sometimes like allows a driver to maybe not develop their skills, drive outside of their limits or, or just like use, use the 37s as a crutch instead of choosing perfect lines, right? adding bigger tires to compensate for not having the IQ on tire placement and vehicle like awareness what of you exactly wanna, which where tires diff where, is, like where your diff's where's at, your diff, where, yeah. where's each of the four tires, yep. what happens when one tire comes off the ground and the vehicle teeter-totters, like understanding your vehicle's personality and what it's going to do on a circumstance before it even gets there. Like understanding the situation, like how long until my vehicle starts to tip the tires, this rock within that foot and a half, I'm either going to go backwards yeah. or yeah. And so it, it's, it's fun to upgrade the vehicle, but it's also like fun to see what it can do before and after. What's up, Josh? Hop hunters on like hop. Hop is probably one of the, like the industry's like biggest fans. Like he's got a gladiator. He's so into it. Yeah, he really loves nice everything gladiator. about it. Super nice dude. Um, what's up, Josh? Um, but uh, yeah, so you got were you involved with Tapui? Is that what it was? Yeah. So okay. in. Uh, Jen and I did. Uh, Jen's your girlfriend. Yeah. Yep. And we did the year of endless adventure. 
uh, with Tapui. Okay. What was this that all about? Is, this is when the vehicle had a Tapui tent. That's uh, when I like first met you, right? Like, were you kind of in the mix on that, or was that like shortly after? I'm not sure. I think it was around 2019. Okay. That I did the uh, promotion with with Tapui. So uh, much has happened since then, dude. I know. It's been crazy. Seems like so long ago. Like, <laughs> it was so long ago, but. Uh, yeah, I was running the Tapui tent, and they were doing a competition uh, called Year of Endless Adventure. They chose 10 teams to highlight their adventures. Uh, Jen and I got selected, and we did a 11- or 12-day trip. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and it was a New Mexico backroad discovery route. Okay. And so we drove from Texas to Colorado through the state of New Mexico by backroads. So no real Twelve twelve hundred 1,200 miles of dirt roads, oh, gravel shit. roads. B roads, forest service roads, off-road trails, and it, it probably went through six or seven distinctly different ecosystems. It was so cool. Suspicion. I mean, everything from white sands and low sandy deserts to high desert. Uh, we got into a section of, of uh, I mean, cloud forest. Okay. An area that is so cloudy constantly, like 300 days a year, it's cloudy and misty. Through that it's just like this like, is through Texas to New, Mex- New Mexico. It was through the state of New Mexico. Oh wow! We, we start started in Texas and ending in Colorado. Wow. So doing the state of New Mexico from south to north. That sounds almost like Big Sur like, not New Mexico like. Yeah. New Mexico, you think of just desert. Yeah, and it, there's so much more to New Mexico. I mean, it, by the time you get up to Colorado, it's it's pine tree forests and elk. Um, really it, oh so many deer that's you know it's funny because it just shows like i've also been a little ignorant when it comes to like arizona and in the last few years i've really grown to love parts of arizona in ways that i didn't know northern arizona gets snow has pinion pine forests that yeah. stretch for thousands of miles there's like, clear like, water streams that you can go fly fishing for trout staff williams are like amazingly beautiful spots Absolutely. Yeah. Like some of my favorite areas are northern Arizona. And yeah. It's not Grand Canyon or Phoenix or Tucson or Colorado River. It's it's a different vibe entirely. But Sedona, Flag, yeah. Scottsdale. Sedona. God, it's talk all- about an amazingly beautiful location. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You were just there recently. Yeah, with the family. It was more of like the family trip. Um, but, um, but yeah, so New Mexico is one of those spots that you wouldn't normally – if you were ignorant, if you lived in California all your life, right, you wouldn't know, like, how how much beauty is in some of those states. And I think some of those states don't want you to know how beautiful they are because they're like, stay in California. It's one of those, though, that's uh, unlike our beautiful areas where we have so much BLM land and we have so much open help. camping. There's, there's a lot of uh, just privately owned ranch land. Um, and a lot of it's still open to the to, – traverse through they allow people to come through like exactly like, uh, you can you easements can, yeah you can, you can pass through kind of uh exactly easements allowed, and, allowed easements yeah. it's not like government mandated easements yeah, yeah. but it's it's a it, it's a beautiful area and there's so much history it was uh a small town i think called chloride that we were in chloride chloride okay and uh probably what they mined out there or something right? i think i think that was yeah. it exactly and That's exactly uh, what how those towns get some someone ended made. up buying the uh basically buying the town and when they opened up the general store it had been boarded shut for something like 80 or 90 years and so they basically opened up a time capsule from like early 1900s 
and there were some really interesting artifacts not just the the it was an actual time capsule it it was a general store for the town oh, and that was the time capsule and it was boarded yeah. shut without having anything cleared out and so what was in there at the time was in there it was kind of sealed like yeah and so they had a uh, 46 star flag that was super interesting what the fuck and they had a uh, order form handwritten order form for not just the 46 star flag that flew in the town center but also there was like eight or ten more that were ordered and the people like going over hawaii going over the records on this exactly yeah going over the records on this were like why would they order so many flags because that was a very luxury item and usually only wealthy landowners would like ranch owners would have a flag it was okay too expensive for the ordinary folks um and as it turns out, the 46th state had just been admitted to the union. It was Utah, I think. And uh, at that time, New Mexico was not even, it was a territory. And so it was just like, it was a U.S. territory, wild, but wild they, land. they did not have statehood. And so these like ranchers in the town, they had a lot of pride. And so the, celebrating the ad addition of a 46 state to the union everyone wanted to update their flag from the 45 no to the shit. 46 star huh. and so there's this like receipt that you can look at of like when they ordered all of these handmade 46 star flags and it's like oh yeah that was when that was when the 46 state got added to the union could and- you imagine putting the order in you're like okay i'm gonna fine i'll buy the flags and you put the order in and they're like and then, like they they take over like New Mexico, like the next. Yeah, we week. got a forty seventh. God damn it! Uh, Hawaii ratified. <laughs> who was it? Susan B. Anthony who made the flag? Like who, who was the dude? I'm, back to sewing. I need to go back to history class, but it was amazing just to see some of this stuff. And uh, I mean, I had a twenty minute conversation with the guy about how they got the safe up to this mountain town. Okay, there was the a safe, safe in there. I mean, the safe had like seven inch thick steel plate walls. And it was like all ornate, hand carved filigree on the inside with gold foil lay, and it was it was, general, it was the general stores like the bank, general stores. Basically? What was like their money? Yeah, and inside of the safe was like little miniature locked boxes, what? like little PO boxes within a major safe. Okay, and those would be for the individual like Town almost people? like safe deposit boxes. Oh shit! And the general store would like fulfill that need. Uh huh. They like the general store was the general store like. Yeah. You could generally do everything you needed there. All of the stuff, yeah. All the things. And, and it was interesting stories about, um, you know, you think of like the barber's sign with like a white, like a white candy cane yeah. striped. Uh, the blue meant they could do dental work. The red no meant shit. they could do blood work. At the barber shop? Yeah. No. Because it was from a time before people were literate. So what's and the so red people, and white? People like, use... Blood work? S- I think the uh, red means that they can do blood work. What does that mean? Um, like, like a uh, they could basically do amputations. What? And uh, sti- at a barber shop, stitch you up. Yeah, the barber had the cleanest, like most hygienic, sharpest tools, and a steady hand. Is this straight up facts? Yeah. Holy shit! And so shit. The, the barber back in these like frontier towns was like the person that you would you would have like. If you had a toothache, they'd yank the tooth. If you got kicked by a horse, they'd stitch you up. And if, you would do this at the barber's? The barber shop. How the fuck did I... How was I never taught this? So, yeah, that, that little spinning... Where did you get taught this shit? Candy... At, at this... At this... 
at the cool, place at this cool little ghost town that's now called it's called, I mean Chloride, New Mexico. Okay, right outside of Truth or Consequences. Truth or Consequences. That's the name of the town. There's a town named Truth or Consequences. Where do you live? Truth or Consequences. Locals just I, call I'm it. I'm not T- saying how do you live. T or C. <laughs> that's so rad. Uh, but there's uh, New New Mexico is a, a great spot, especially if you like hatch chilies. I would would go back in a heartbeat. Uh, everything from white sands, and we drove through the very large array, which is like I think those thirty satellite dishes that are all massive. We drove through oh, it at really? night, and so it's like thirty lit up satellite dishes is that, that like all facing exactly the same way. Are those space telescopes, or yeah, what? deep yeah. deep space. They're oh. like listening, I think. Yeah, um, but there, there, there's some cool stuff out in out in New Mexico. Mexico. Isn't and, that where Area 51 is too? I think so. no. That's is that, Nevada. Is that Nevada? That's Nevada. But the I, very large. Array, I never got involved you, in that shit. It makes you think of Area Fifty One. It's the it's, VLA. Yeah, yeah. It's a sat- I mean, a, is that a where, field like, of satellites is that, that goes on for. Is, do you remember the movie Contact with Jodie Foster? Yeah. Is I, that where she was? I think so. Was she at the very large array? I think so. Yeah. 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 That's cool. There, there's some epic stuff going on out there, and because uh, it's the desert, man. It's just it's open. wide open spaces. Wide open shit. Yeah. All right, so you did this with Jen. You guys were part of this Tapui thing. Did you guys was was that a part of the contest or was did you were you? That's winners? what we did. That's what we did for our portion of the contest. Got it. So well, each each team go? did like an epic trip. Did you get a place? Did you you didn't win or what? We did not win, but oh, we got the most views. You got the most views. Yeah. What was the criteria of winning? Um, they vote. They're. they're it, w- it was not based on views or view count alone. It was based on their Stop their telling decision. your parents to watch. Um, they uh, chose a team, I think, that did like a Central American multi-country, multi-month trip. So fair that that, okay. that, that, that team. Multi-month. Like, they're, they're, just they're, the they're permanently They should the have road. created like criteria, right? Like yeah. you all get 14 days. Within this fourteen days, go do whatever. Do the, something awesome. Do whatever you want, but it has to be Live, living on the road is different than visiting it. Yeah. <laughs> I was visiting. Uh, I have a job, right? So trips are usually shorter than two weeks. How's that been for you, like balancing work and passion? It can be difficult at times. Yeah, you know, my my trip on the AT was in between careers. Yeah, and so I planned to do something amazing. Like, I'm taking time off. Yeah, and I, I think I'll no do, kids. Fuck it, I'm out. Exactly, yeah. and so I think I'll do that in between in between careers uh, as I go because it worked out so well at that time. Especially I can imagine like a putting the from somewhere like yeah. Like, okay. I can imagine putting the jeep into a shipping container and meeting it in Iceland and doing the ring road or I want to do meeting that to it Japan. In, I want to go to Japan, bro, and like. They've got a culture there of like off-roaders. I'm like, where the fuck do you off-road? Oh, no, they've got spots. Really? Yeah. Huh. Like one of these, DJ Yuji is his name. And I started following him because I'm like, wait, that looks like uh, Gridlock JKU, which is this one guy on Instagram who's got this crazy ass. Um, he's got this crazy uh, rig that is. Uh, oh, shit. I dropped your phone. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm hearing like a buzzing noise. You hear that? In your is that in your head? Is that just in mine or is that? I do not hear a buzzing noise. Maybe a small fruit fly flew into your ear. <laughs> That's probably exactly what it is. Um, anyways, so I follow this DJ Yuji guy and I'm like, his Jeep looks like Gridlock 
JKU, which is like this this one Jeep that's like fully built out. It's Yukon sponsored. It's just this. It's got like forty fours or whatever the fuck. Scout, come here. Um, and uh, and no, he's he's posting he's posting images of like rock crawling and doing all kinds of stuff. Hang on, I gotta go let this dog into the house or else he's gonna drive us all crazy. Scout's gone wild. He's been returned to the house. These are the dog updates that you needed. If you don't own a dog, maybe don't. <laughs> They're whining little bitches. <laughs> huh, Leroy? Leroy finally found his happy spot right below us. Under the table. Foot, yeah. f- foot rest. Um, it's that iced tea. Uh, <laughs> cheers, buds. Um, anyways, when I saw that, I'm like, first of all, so much of my influence has been the Japanese import industry. Right. That's where Huge. you got started with that's the whole started. automotive aftermarket scene. Yeah. Like driving our 95 Honda Civics in the canyons at 2 a.m. Like we wouldn't even leave the house until 12 o'clock at midnight. Meet up at like 1230, 1 a.m. at like Del Taco or Denny's. Hang out for a minute and then fucking head to the canyons. Like that That was, there was like a couple years of that. And which canyons was that up in? Like Azusa. Like local local hills and mountains. Okay. And uh, did you ever go up to Malibu? Uh, we've been to Malibu a couple of times. Those okay. Rad ass roads that they have up there. Yeah. 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 I think Tanner Faust did like this video of him just fucking crushing it through like whatever that main windy road is that like. It's like Latigo, Fortuna, Stunt. <laughs> there's, tuna. there's so many of those, right? There, there's, yeah. There, there's a good number of uh we we stuck mostly very very windy ribbon shaped roads yeah up there. we were mostly in like orange like so we used to go to the street races in like la la, la habra la Mirada, compton and then we'd go to the canyons up in uh saddleback canyon which back in the day wasn't very traversed like was pretty quiet and then um azusa was like another yeah, spot up off the 74 that's where we went camping recently really yeah. 74. Or or take a highway. Or, oh, is it not 73? I think it's the 74. Is, it, no is it the 74? I don't know. Once once you start going south, getting closer to San Diego, everything turns into 70-something, right? 70-something or other. Yeah. yeah. Fucking, I hate driving San Diego. Um, anyways, but yeah, we we take our little imports out there and go front-wheel drive, drift our shit around corners and just... Stupid, stupid stuff, dude. A lot, um, of, lot of understeer on those front-wheel drives. A <laughs> lot of understeer. <laughs> but we would we would oversteer that shit. Like, we'd, we'd fucking, we'd crank that e-brake, and we'd go through the corners, and it was just, it was fun. And uh, it was stupid, and it was un- inadvisable, so do not do that, disclaimer. Um, but, uh, but good times. And, yeah, so my, like, for instance, on the vehicle right now on the Jeep, I've got one side that's normal, left to right, mm-hmm. and then on the other side, it's, like, reversed, like, for the logos. And that's literally from, like, the old drift days of, you know, working at the D1 Grand Prix. And all those Japanese cars had mirrored graphics on the other sides. They would go to the point of where even the logo, the, like, the names were reversed. Mm-hmm. I keep the names still left to right on the on the sides, but yeah. I'll change the logos themselves to, like, They reversed. would truly just mirror the image. They would just though. mirror it the other How side. How interesting. So cool. and uh it's just uh you know it looked good on the one side we're gonna keep it the same on the other side you know like if it worked there it's gonna work there um looks perfect keep it (laughs) yeah yeah 
and uh and yeah so i i would love to go to japan i feel like it would it would be a nice like full circle story for me and uh and having so much of the japanese culture come here and influence me in automotive stuff and doing everything that i've done um that's led to this to then going over there and just absorbing and taking in that culture like ship the jeep over i want to ship the jeep ship the jeep over you want to go to iceland huh i want to go to iceland they've got the northern lights there right i think at certain times of year they do yeah i want to see that yeah i'd, I'd want to go see some of those volcanoes and i think there'd be just beautiful coastlines for the gram <laughs> volcano jeep pictures for the gram for the gram top this bitch <laughs> It costs it costs like a hundred percent tax just to own a car out there, I believe. Like if you buy so. if you buy a sixty thousand dollar car, you're paying sixty thousand dollars in taxes to own that same car. That's so crazy. I wonder if that's just to like so f- to dissuade you from buying a fucking car, huh? How do people get around? Well, they just make a lot of money. Or apparently, yeah. Yeah. Just gotta yeah. save up a lot Oh, more. how do they get around just physically? Yeah. Bikes. Public transportation that actually works. I'm yeah, not. I'm not trying to talk shit, but isn't like ninety percent of the population in like less than two percent of the land mass? It's like they're all they're all they're, they're probably within walking distance of where they need to go. Yeah, it's like Europe. Europe, like um, in Belgium, my uh, my sister in law was able to walk to work. She worked at the capital over there. She worked at uh, Parliament, mm-hmm. and um, you know their home was close enough to where everywhere you'd want to go drink at everywhere you'd want to go eat at and everywhere you'd probably work was all within like five to 10 minutes driving. So you could technically walk, walk everywhere. Yeah. Where you need to go. Uh, we're not really set up that way out here. We're, we're definitely a little different. Definitely not in LA. Yeah. LA is discouraged. Any type of walking. LA is, LA is just about sitting in traffic for like an hour and a half to go five miles. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Um, San Diego is a little bit wide open, a little bit more open space than LA. But San Diego fucks with me every time I go down there to try to drive. Like the freeways there do not make sense to me. Like the exits don't make sense to me. Like you'll exit and you're in the twilight zone. Suddenly there are no on ramps anymore. And you're like, where the fuck am I? And you expected to see a gas station within at least like, you know, a few miles down one way of this like main road that, or a road that looked like a main road, but it just turns into a country road. But like, there's no gas station. Now, now you're on a military base. Yeah, <laughs> dude, being, being arrested for being on a military base when you shouldn't be. Right. So <laughs> I don't know how I got here. Like I like like above like I almost feel like there's middle California, Southern California should be like San Diego because <laughs> it's so different. There's mid California and then there's Northern California, right? Um, and I consider this mid, where it's like Inland Empire up to LA. You get off on an exit that looks like an exit that'll have a gas station, usually has a gas station. Mm-hmm. Like it's very planned and and kind of consistent. San Diego, you're lucky. It's a fucking roll of the dice. Don't run out of gas. Like that's all I can tell you. Don't fucking run out of gas. Don't get hungry. Cause that exit you got off on might put you out another 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> Don't get hungry. It's not that bad. <laughs> I've just had some bad experiences. Apparently. In San Diego. <laughs> Um, but it's beautiful. We were just talking about that. And, and given that big bear is shut down, San Diego offers a lot of opportunities to get out there, which we saw at the last Anza trip, which was a fucking zoo. 
but everyone's going up to the to the desert. Oh yeah, there's so many vehicles out in Anza that weekend. But I've never I've never seen uh, highway patrol or fucking sheriffs like out there. That was crazy. Straight up in Fish Creek Wash. Yeah, they were all, like chilled. Two of them the side by side. There. Dude, I was like, how bad has it gotten that we have officers out here? And yeah. they were just they were sitting waiting. Like I was like, that's what you don't want to see ever in those situations. Yeah. Like you go out there to get away from it all. And but it was such a freaking zoo where people were just going ham. And you know, I mean, full disclosure, I enjoy the wash. Like it's it's awesome to get out there. It's wide open, it's pretty flat, like it's nice. Um, but there's that and then there's like people like literally just tearing shit up for the sake of tearing it up and really messing shit up and then being very reckless that I, it's hard, it's hard, man. It's hard when you're like, Oh, I want the freedom to do what I want to do. And then you fuck it up for everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it seemed. I mean, those off-road trails are still the jurisdiction of, of some authority. Right. And yeah. the rules still do apply. So while it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere and you can go as fast as you want and drive like, you know, yeah, a hooligan. It's it's still not really okay. Right. Right. There's still rules that <laughs> you, gotta, you have to follow. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta use your use your best sense of judgment on when donuts are okay in the wash. But I, I do know there's some people driving around a little bit crazy that weekend. Um getting way too close to other vehicles, yeah, going there was way like too a, fast. There was a series of Broncos which they looked amazing. I mean, props to them for like the the time and effort and energy they put into their builds. They, I, I wish I owned one of those. So not 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 calling out. And Chevys. that's probably part of it because someone spends all this time building they a monster machine. Coon. Yeah, and then you get out to those dunes or those washes, and it's like, dude, you want to open it up? You want to see what it can do? Yeah, but now when you're you come flying down the wall, caravan of other vehicles coming the other way, and you're doing ninety miles an hour, sliding sideways, halfway in control. And then all yeah. of a sudden, there's two sheriffs yeah. <laughs> sitting in a wash, fuck, waiting for that moment to happen. That was a fun weekend, though. I, I, had, a, I had a really good time. We, we tried to do it again this past weekend, but um, work work sometimes gets in the way of shit. And work, family. work does have a ha- horrible ha- way of getting in the middle of things that yeah. you want to do. <laughs> work has a way of getting in the way. Go figure. Go figure. Anyway, so eventually, throughout this Jeep stuff that you were doing... Um, you built up relationships with a lot of partners. You built up relationships with some mutual friends that got our paths connected, which was like Brad and Marco, right? Brad, Marco, off the grid team. Off the grid. So was off the grid kind of uh, instrumental in that relationship? Where So I'm a product developer for a clothing company and the uh, founder of off the grid. Josh. Josh is... Uh, he was he was a designer at the same clothing company. So you guys so, worked together. Yeah, we we worked together uh, in the same I, team. I knew we were going to be kindred spirits. The first time I met the dude was in a fitting session. So uh, we we have a fit model come in and we throw all the prototype samples on the same individual that's been measured and we've agreed is like our ideal size. Make sure everything fits right. So we're at a fit session and he sipping out of a coffee cup from an Easter Jeep Safari event that happened the previous weekend. Yeah. And it's Josh's first week on the job. And I'm like, were you just at EJS? 
And he's like, oh, yeah. That's right. And starts telling him about his clothing company and his involvement he had in already the industry. Had and I'm like. Oh, he already had his clothing company as yeah. he was coming into product. Yeah, he did. So he disclosed it to the, uh, to the team. Oh, that's and, cool. And it's like, hey, it doesn't compete with your product. But uh, eventually his company grew to the point that, you know, he needed to, he needed to give it his full attention. Right. And it couldn't be moonlighting his, you know his own clothing company oh, 100%. Uh, working for the man as so somebody who's worked he, with josh and for josh i can tell you he's got to be all in on that to make absolutely it yeah, yeah to, to make it work and and so it was growing and growing but it had to had to require his full amount of time at a certain point and 100 um yeah and so we worked together for about three years and uh during that time uh he was still working on product and uh the jeep ended up in the overland expo booth with off the grid your um, jeep yeah oh is that the first time you've showed at an event i think so yeah no shit i think the first event it showed up was, was where one that, of the overland expos is that where your orange kind of came from was that kind of because his color was i think primarily orange on his uh, logo. i think that's just coincidental was it coincidental yeah but his flags and banners were, were always orange yeah. and the jeep had a lot of I, I chose the color palette before i started building <laughs> <bet> you did. <laughs> eric is very coordinated um, um when yeah. you when you develop product, it's it's nice to have like an idea of where you want to go with a build. Otherwise, it'll take on a mind of its own, and no, you'll you. start making upgrades that you don't really need. So we got uh, keeping it grounded, and it's we got uh, Porsche Tech. Oh, hang on a second. Why did it get paused? Keep going. Oh, here we go. I think we're are we back? I don't know. That's weird. Live video is paused. It says. Why would it do that? I don't know think maybe it's always hard dude it's always hard to like get this damn uh live feed to to work right let me see if i can get a little bit closer to uh there we go there you are Let's did you see. break it i don't i don't know maybe maybe i broke it uh oh what happened to the connection i still see you um this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have this nice things. This is it right here. It sucks, dude. Every every fucking time I try to do video in addition to I mean, it looks like we're live. Yeah. You guys seeing us now? Ha. <laughs> I don't know. Does anything change on your phone? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I think we're back. Technical difficulties. Um, what were we talking about? I feel like I just got shaken out of whatever rant we were on. It's okay. We can move on to a new rant. Can we move on to, to something else? Okay. Good now. Cool. What's up, Rally Pumpkin? Oh, we met Rally Pumpkin at the Riggs and Brews event. He has that orange Subaru Crosstrek. We now have Subaru buddies. Oh, yeah. So happy to have Subaru buddies because I want to go. I want to get like a Subi, Subi trip. Subi trip going? Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to go out with people who have some experience with their Subarus and see like what do these vehicles do and how capable are they. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe this is a good place. We got some background in you. Yeah. Eric Dawson, adventurer. Um Jeep owner, now Subaru Crosstrek owner. Um, we got our Crosstreks. We decided let's just turn them into a fucking project. So now we're making that mistake. And 
it's a true story. Um, and uh, and so we just went to where we we did Front Runner a while just a few weeks ago, and then last week we were at uh, Pacific West Premier, uh, Premier West Premier Gears, West, yeah. um, and they they did the uh, locking diff from Torque Master. That's right. Yeah, on your vehicle. Yeah, just on my vehicle for right now. We want to do a little demonstration for you guys yeah um we and think ali had a good point that we, yeah. we were just going to take the vehicle and go see uh the vehicle locked up in the rear and the What's vehicle up, with just the open diff take them on the same obstacle and see if one struggles and right. the other seems to have significantly more traction but uh we're learning a little bit as we go through this process because we were about to go take our vehicles with our regular street tires to go like and here's how one does, and here's how the other. It's like, bro, you've got street tires on, like yeah, you've got the stock tires. On yeah. That. So we got the we got the torque locker on yours from Torque Masters, and then which is an automatic locking differential. Um, it locks in place once it goes under load on mm -hmm. both both wheels. Um, but we decided we're gonna do rims and tires, and then do a side by side comparison once you've got your vehicle and suspension. Once you've got your vehicle to that like stereotypical like. Okay, I'm ready to go rock crawl, or mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ready to go hit trails. Well, aggressive tires, higher, higher. I mean, we're going from 17 inch wheels to 15 inch wheels, right. so we're going to increase the tire profile, mm -hmm. and and we're going to have the same one. Actually. We'll be able to air down a little bit, have have more mechanical keying, more molding of the tire. We'll get a lot more traction from having yep. bigger sidewalls and and more aggressive tread pattern but i thought so, it was, i thought it would have been dumb if we did it on street tires because you're not really you're not even off-road capable at the basic level no let alone now wanting to show your lockers so exactly um with you locked and me unlocked and both of us still being able to use our uh um what's the control called it's like uh what's the electronic system that the Subarus have, I forget what it's called. X-Lock? X-Mode? X-Mode, something like that. X-Men? Yeah. X-something. Uh, um, X-Mode, I think. X -mode. It has dual yeah. X-Mode for the There's sport. There's like sand and snow and then deep mud and something. something like that. Whatever, yeah. whatever. There's two modes. So we're going to be, we're going to still have the advantage of those two things um, in each vehicle, but mine will be unlocked it won't have the locking automatic locking differential from torque masters his will but we will have tires we will have wheels and then we're going to have some form of suspension that should be fine for what we want to go do mm -hmm. um it's a better baseline uh i don't think the suspension is going to be what unless you're an inch taller than me or something and we get high centered i don't think the suspension is going to matter as much as how the wheels engage and how the the traction i agree yeah. it's going to be mostly the tires but the suspension will need to be there so right. the tires fit yep so we're going to do it that way and premier west got your vehicle and we were in and out in about i mean if we weren't filming that probably would have been like an hour max probably i would say like yeah. it was and the pumpkin was so tiny yeah. rear. dude the it's gears like, it's like a grapefruit it's like a pomelo like yeah, yeah the, the gears are so much smaller than what we're used to mm -hmm. from seeing on the jeep's big pumpkin it's like so jeep's like about that big like the subaru is like tiny yeah and i guess they're pretty strong gears because you know people use those for doing stuff like that going yeah. off-road and and whatnot which is funny because we're all marketed to and sorry i'm about to get on a tangent here we're all marketed to 
when we look at these vehicles, when we see the commercials, when we go to buy a Subaru or a Jeep or a Tacoma or a Tundra, you always see these fuckers in the commercials like hooning it out in the fucking desert, going up rocks, splashing, splashing through, through water. Streams. Yeah, splashing yeah. through water, like just fucking going ham. And you're like, that's what I want to go do. And then, and then some people go do it and they do it in all the wrong places. They go to all the wrong spots. They go blaze their own trails. They fucking go through that creek, which didn't really technically have a water crossing. You know, they go do all this shit, but nobody educated them to say, oh, by the way, you know, if you see a road and it doesn't have a sign, you don't go down it. Like you stay on these marked roads. Here's what the 1N07, here's what the N stands for. Here's what the 07 stands for. Here's what the ones like the basic of trail system understanding mm-hmm. and maybe tread lightly style etiquette um, is not common knowledge for a lot of people. And I, it's funny. I am like, again, one of my buddies wrote, um, did a post, showed some vehicle on this beautiful plateau in the middle of what looked like a meadow. And I'm like, that's a bitchin' spot. Nope. It's not a spot. It was like a sand dune in the middle of like some wetlands, like that this guy just went and trailblazed through. Yeah. On one hand, yeah, maybe he didn't know. Unfortunately, ignorance is not an excuse if you get busted by any type of authority. They'll no, say, it shouldn't be. You should have known, or you should have reached out, or you should have gone to your to the local ranger station before going off trail or doing whatever. Um, that's that's what it kind of comes down to. Um, but you know, if these dealerships would just give you like a pamphlet, maybe sponsored by Tread Lightly or sponsored by Corva and it has all the rules and like the basic information of like what you should and what you should not do. Mm-hmm. I feel like at least, at least then some education's out there and those guys can go then take that information and give it to their friends or, you know, the next person they're out with. Um, and I also think, you know, you hate me for this all you want, but I think fines need to be like quadrupled. Like if it's a $250 fine, it needs to be like times 10, make it a $2,500 fine. Fuck it. Like let's pay. Yeah. You know, like right now, if you go to Big Bear and you get caught and you're you're on any of those roads that they've closed, it's a five thousand dollar fine up to ten thousand dollars, depending on the organization with additional uh, penalties. I, I don't know if imprisonment's part of it, but I think I saw that um, depending on how like audacious the, the act is. Right. Wow. So you make it that nuts. People are probably less inclined to go fuck with, you know the rules because there's like four or five rangers they're not going to be able to police the area no you'll probably go do it and be fine to go do it and then get down and not get caught like that's probably the reality but if you were to get caught they make the fine so high that you just probably don't do it at all and i think that's what it needs to be it needs to be like you know like if you go kill somebody you're gonna get the fucking death penalty or life in jail like that's usually the one or two like options there um and it's like, I'm not saying like going off road is like killing someone, but you're killing everyone else's opportunity to go have fun. So you should be fine pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's you, hard. You, you make it, you make it more difficult for the people that are following the rules. That's how areas get closed. That's yes. how, I mean, closure isn't management, but it's so easy usually, to close shit. It's, it's usually, easier. it's usually the first, the first ticket or the first item that they'll first lever that 
they'll pull. pull. Yeah. It's just to close the area entirely. It's How like Oceana Dunes or anywhere else. Like yeah. it's they're, they're, they'll close it and take it away from you more than they'll regulate it because people are being dumb or stupid or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like there's only so much money they have in their budgets. There's only so much opportunity they have to get out there. There's only so many groups like, like us, like Rick for dirt that will go out there and organize a group of people to go do stuff. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of us. There's a couple and we all feel like we're doing great, but it's like, fuck, they need so much more. They need more resources. They need more manpower. They need more people. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's the woods and it's nature. It's not national defense and education, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't get as much funding as say some of those other initiatives would. So what's easy? Close it. Just fucking close it. Like, oh, they're fucking it up. And we're, this is like the, oh, this is the fifth time we have to go out there and like clean it up. Yeah. Forget it. Just shut it down, gate it off and we'll deal with it later. And then organizations like Corva now have to go deal with a trail that was closed. They didn't have to be closed, but it got closed because people were being dicks. Mm-hmm and being dumb and there i i don't care what you say there is a certain amount of common sense that goes into don't try to fucking burn up like that hill that you know is not a road it's just a fucking hill like don't do that shit yeah there's there's clearly pristine land that hasn't been driven on don't be that idiot that puts down tire tracks yeah like uh i've been to that beautiful area in death valley um what's up greg that uh where, where the the stones are, basically it's racetrack playa, but it looks like the stones in this perfectly flat, dry lake bed have been moving. Oh wait, is that Death Valley? Yeah, is that what you said. Yeah, yeah. Ra- racetrack playa yeah. out there. Yeah, it looks like they're fucking like somebody's been pushing them like, a yeah, millimeter every day. Yeah, and so some of these stones have like a trail, like a snail trail yeah. behind the stone that goes hundreds of feet. And sometimes so not what's always the, in a what's straight the meaning, line. Like, what's the cause of that? Is it I think, wind? I, I think that the ground freezes and it's mm. correct wind and weather and, and temperature. And so, it'll move so like a millimeter. Yeah. And so over millennia, it'll look like it's moved several hundred feet. Um, but it's not like you get like recorded. Yeah. For and a then you, days you, and see you, see, you see freaking tire tracks out on this like geological world wonder. And some idiot felt like it was okay to go drive on it. It's like that. There's there's some people that just yeah, yeah. ruin ruin it for everyone else that's trying to if you so out that behavior and discourage it. Right. Um, the worst. Like <laughs> Josh is like, don't cussing litter. Yeah, it's so fucking true. Like, don't litter. Like, it's easy not to litter. It's actually easy to pick some extra shit up. One bag will make a huge difference. If everyone got a bag of trash that they did not take in and brought it out, yeah, dude, that wilderness would be, be clean with how popular overlanding is right now. Yeah, wilderness would be clean within a couple of weeks. Yeah, like, like to anyone who's watching this or listening to this who's gone into this lifestyle of overlanding and is new to it, and maybe, maybe you were like me and from like a different industry and got into it or whatever, it's like, look. On one hand, it's really fun. You get to go out. You're probably going to go get fucked up with your buddies. You're going to have a great time. Go do that. Have fun doing that. I'm I'm, for, I'm fucking for it. But leave it better than you found it. Simple. Simple. Something everyone can do. Take trash bags with you. Doesn't matter if you take 10 pieces of trash right. or 100. Just take a little bit more trash. 
than what you arrived with. Take your own shit away, but also take some extra with you if you can, and don't drive where you're not supposed to drive. And that would make like a world of difference for what we try to do, what we're fighting against, and and keeping these trails from getting closed. Because once they're shut down, it is so much harder to get them reopened. To get them reopened. Gain I mean, access back. When was the last time you heard about a new trail get open? Like, oh, there's this new trail. Like, I've never heard that in the entire time. In the last five years of being part of all this, all I've heard of is shit getting closed, but not open. And it's because the lobbyists are stronger on the Patagonia side of things, right? Mm-hmm. On the on the land use advocates who are opposed to um, off-road land use mm-hmm. and are only in favor of walking, like pedestrian land use. Right. Um, they have so much more advocacy than we do. Like Corva is such a small organization and yeah. there are so many old people at Corva. No offense, but they're older. They're old school Jeepers. They're old school like off-roaders. They're like people who are almost like I would say a lot of them are retired doing Corva now. That's that's hard for them to continue to like fight against what's a much younger youthful community of people that are trying to shut down these trails because they believe and they truly believe this. So you can't really fault them that they're doing what's best for the environment and for the, the, you know, the country, you know, so they, they have the best of intentions. Mm -hmm. We, a lot of us are like, well, we don't fuck things up. So we have the best of intentions, but it doesn't matter what we want to do. It's like that, that one guy that decided to fucking like as a lark, go through the fucking dry lake bed Mm -hmm. and leave his fucking like, curly Q signature on the fucking dry lake bed and then come back and laugh about it. That's the guy that we got to stop. Exactly. Those are the ones that the examples that ruin it and have areas closed down. That, Like you said, once yeah. they get closed down, they don't open back up. So it's uh sad, but true. Yeah. And, and as it becomes more popular, it needs to be there. There does need to be that education. There does need, I'm not saying there should be like a, separate driver's license for off-roading but you kind of have to take it upon yourself and like you said ignorance is not a defense right you don't get to just go into a boat and start captaining a ship and not know the marine like the rules that govern the marine industry yeah and so that that's not it's not a fair like you don't always you don't always need licensed for certain things but it comes with the territory of if you're going to take on the responsibility by being the operator of that vehicle you've also taken in that environment you've also taken on the responsibility to know the rules what is legal what is illegal what is good practice what is frowned upon and you know it doesn't it doesn't take that much beyond common sense like you said cleaning up a little bit like pack it in, pack it out, yeah, and stay on the roads. Those are not really like deal breakers. Right. It's not such onus that you're not going <laughs> to have fun. It's it's pretty basic. Well, stay on the trails. You, you know what the Keep truth is? Clean. Is we as responsible off roaders and recreators will always have to do more work than the people who don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. We will always have to do more work. We will always have to do put in more effort than the people who go out there and fuck around and don't give two fucks because the people who fuck around and don't give two fucks, they don't care. I mean, some of the they areas, don't care. they might even go on the trail, even if the trail is closed, they'll break through and they'll fucking 
keep doing what some they do. of the areas that we clean up near joshua tree and we do this cleanup yearly mm-hmm. and every single year there's three to five cars that have been added to the mix to the mix we talked about this yeah. those guys that have been who burned stole a car yeah the cars are the cars are used in the yeah. commission of a crime yeah. and then they're taken out to the desert and they're burned yep so there's no evidence left behind and the car could have been used for a robbery or the car might have been you know, stolen whatever. itself yeah. but they, they just take them out to the desert they burn them apparently everyone in the underground knows to leave your cars at the same spot because they, they every they single year we go place. back to the same place and there's always three to five car chassis right in the same location that have all been burned out we drag them out of the desert the city comes and puts them on trailers and cleans like takes them to the scrap yard yep and then we go back a year later in february same or shit. march same shit same shit there's another couple of cars in the exact same valley and it's what's up chris some people just don't care they're not yeah. going to care yep and that's and that's where you come in where it's like on one hand don't feel afraid of going to a group and just educating them some of them just knowing that you that they're being judged will stop doing what they're doing some of them might say go fuck yourself and at that point i would walk away like it's you're not there to fucking start a fight or get into it you're just there to try to say hey can you help make the situation better and if they're for it cool if they're not for it, there's nothing you can do, and you're not expected to do anything about it. Like, just go enjoy your time with your family and friends. Um, that's probably the best thing you could do. Uh, but, you know, when we go out as a group, we do talk to people, like especially out in Lido Creek. We do tell people, hey, the, the that wash is not an actual trail for you to drive on. And a lot of people don't don't know. They just don't realize. And Some so- people have said, fuck, I mean, I, I'm just quoting here, but they've said, fuck you, faggot. And I'm like, okay. Like, but you're still not supposed to be there. Like, yeah, but it's, it's, you know, it looks like a trail and some people are innocently, you know, they could have made, they don't know that they're doing the wrong thing. They, that's, and then other people are just going to say F you and do what they're going to do anyway. And those are the, I think they made the, those are the fun ones. They made the main trail a little bit too narrow. There's not enough uh, turnouts for people to like let other people bypass. So I think. There is something to be said there where it's like, I don't know if there's an opportunity. And I and I got to talk to the Forest Service and Tread Lightly, uh, my, my team over there um, that I work with. But I feel like there needs to be maybe a project done out there where that trail is widened a little bit. So there's no need to go through the wash. Mm. You have full access to, to drive by somebody, you know, on the main trail. Right now, that main trail is only good for like one vehicle max. At certain points. Yeah, at certain yeah, there's, and, it's, but like there's a, a, it's like a shelf road, though. But so there's a good length. It's a shelf road, and there's a good length that if you don't have somebody to, like, go around, and there's traffic behind you, and there's traffic in front of you, the only way is, like, down into the wash. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're if you're ignorant to it, and you're, and you're willing to, like, make the wrong choice, it's down into the wash and around down the wash. And uh, so I think on one hand, there needs to be some more work on behalf of our forest service to kind of find solutions to this, these issues but there's an educational piece that we have to like make sure we address uh within the community to let them know in english and spanish and i, and I don't say that in a racist way i just say there's a lot of spanish-speaking non-english speaking off-road enthusiasts that mm-hmm. go out there with their families to like whether it just snowed or they're just getting away for the weekend you see a lot of people out there recreating 
Yeah, especially so, in Lido Creek. It's very close, Creek, yeah. very close to very large communities. Yep. So it's that easy access to the outdoors. Correct. I don't blame people for not at all taking their most local, you know, outdoor recreation areas and using it for what it's set aside for. That's yeah. awesome. I don't know where I was talking about this, but I was thinking about my father who lived in Iran for the majority of his younger life to young adult years, right? Before they, in 1978, when the revolution happened in Iran, they moved from Iran to the U.S. And my father brought with him the, the thoughts of how things were in the old country, which was you find a nice river, you camp right next to it, and you fish, you fish all morning, all night, go to bed, wake up, you know, repeat, right? Mm -hmm. In the U.S., it's not really like that unless you're backpacking in areas that you're allowed and permitted to. Like if you go out to Sequoia, you're not camping on Hume Lake, like at the edge. But we did because he didn't know. So we'd be fucking camped out right on the lake, like within feet of the lake in our tents. I think eventually a ranger, a couple of years after we had constantly gone back and camped at this spot, told my father, this is not actually a campsite. You have to be in one of the marked sites. And... uh after that point, he always got he he made sure to reserve the right site. Yeah, but there is some of that, like not knowing. I'm sure there's places in Mexico you just drive to and you camp. That's it. I've been there. I've been to Mexico, and it's kind of like how it is. You just you camp. Yeah, and it's not like that in the U.S. Even even when it comes to uh, especially when it comes to like forest roads and um, national parks, like you can't do that. BLM is a little different. BLM, you find a nice spot, set up camp. Mm -hmm. Um, but BLM is what it is and forest service and national parks and all that state parks are, are what they are. They each have different rules. They each have and different rules. Yeah. If you're going to go adventure around and like recreate in those areas, it's, it's kind of your responsibility to learn those rules. Yeah. It's like when you go fishing, you need to know what's a keeper and what you're yeah. obligated to How return. How many to inches? The you right. can't, you can't just be like, Oh, I caught a fish. I'm going to keep, I mean, it's, Oh, I'm gonna go off-roading. I can just drive anywhere. Like there's, there's rules that whatever hobby or whatever interest, sport, recreation, whatever it is you pick up, there's and gonna you, be like. And you've got to teach your kids about it. You've absolutely. got to teach the next generation or your friends about it. Like I took the kids based off of that fishing scenario. I took the kids to uh, the jetty, and the jetty's cool because you don't need a license. So you can have a couple kids and yourself, and as long as you're fishing off the rocks, you don't mm -hmm. need a fishing license. So one, of the, one of the few areas yeah. that you can saves do you some land based fishing. And mm -hmm. kids under 12, I don't think, need fishing licenses anyway. No. And there's, there's a couple of, couple of other good rules there. But and there's some good fish off the rocks. And octopi. And octopi, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so Jackson, my older one, caught a sculpin. It was a beautiful looking little rockfish. But it was like two inches shy of legal. I think legal was like nine or ten inches, whatever it was. Okay. His was like two inches shy of whatever that number is that I like looked up. And I, you know, we had a bucket and I put the sculpin in there. I'm like, hey, you could check him out for a while. You can enjoy him. You can take some pictures. You can take some video. But he's got to go back into the ocean. Mm -hmm. He's like, why, Dad? That's not like, come on. Nobody's selfish, right? They just... Huh. And it's like, it's, it was my job to be like, I know it sucks. You caught him fair and square and we got him. And we even like, you know, actually we ended up saving that fish because he had this crazy like hook embedded from some other person who caught him. He had like, been caught before. He'd been caught before and we ended up pulling that out. So now he was free and clear. And I put him in the bucket and I said, enjoy it. 
but he's got to go back in. And, you know, he was, Jackson was kind of like upset, emotional. Like as a father, the easiest thing to do is saying, okay, just cut its head off, fillet it, throw it in our fucking cooler and be done with it. That would be easy. Uh, but it was a teachable moment. It was an opportunity to really like have him have respect for why. Mm -hmm. So I told him like, look, if this is a male or female, either way, it's part of the ecosystem of this, you know, area. And so if it's too small, it probably hasn't had enough time to spawn and make babies and reproduce in the, in what the ocean needs it to do, which is why we throw back fish, which mm -hmm. is why we don't keep certain size fish. Cause if they're too young and juvenile, they haven't, they haven't reached maturity in order to have babies and do all that right mm -hmm. so explaining this to him you could see that something clicked where he's like oh there is a reason yeah. he, he don't want to just hear no he just well, he wanted to know why and so once i educated him and let him know i mean it was fairly easy once i finally had it i and i told him to dump the fish in so it was all on him dump the fish back in and i had no fucking idea about octopi like what do you do with octopuses like what the keeping range is and and i emotionally can't bring myself to want to even hurt an octopus because i know how smart they are yeah. they're smarter than fucking dogs like they have problem solving skills that rival other animals and i just felt like this poor fucker like clearly he's trying to hang on to the rock because he doesn't want to be like i'm like he's showing me he doesn't want to like get taken away like you could see an emotion there of like survival right? yeah. he's like no i want to stay like i don't want to fucking get out of there and um i eventually had to make ashton like let the octopus go um yeah I, octopi have been shown to you like it's only invertebrates shown to plan for future scenarios right they, they'll go on to land and grab like a shell or a half of like a coconut shell like a unused conch uh -huh. and they'll drag around this like basically like shell item with them uh -huh. and then when they see a predator they go and they suck inside of it and they hide and they they put it over them like a like a he has they, his own little house with them that he they carries, basically yeah, yeah they, <laughs> they carry around a little house with them and they just use a couple of their tentacles drag it around with them and they see like a stingray coming and they hide they <laughs> hide underneath and then there's once problem the is passed, yeah, yeah. but they, they carry it around with them and it's like they're they don't need it at that moment, but they know in the future they might need it. Yeah. And so there's like a future. Uh, An understanding of the. They're thinking about an they event know time, that hasn't yet occurred. Almost, yeah. And so it's an it's a interesting thought process for an invertebrate. But yeah. Yeah. And they've octopi been. Octopi are smart. And they've been put through like horses, like in like captive tanks and forced to like solve puzzles. And they do. And they like. So anyways, long story short, it's just teaching my kids, give, imparting to them what I feel. And it's ultimately their choice and what they want to do. And same with you guys. Like when you're out there uh, meeting people on the trail, like every point of contact within our community of one another is an opportunity to teach someone how to do it better or how to do it right or how to be better or calling people out like in a good way of like, look, dude, that's not what you should do. Like I always go back to that Marco story where I was stepping on that, what I thought was dead vegetation. He's like, Ali, that shit's just dormant. It's like, it's it's simply hibernating for the winter. Yeah. Like don't step on it. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's like you're that right. plant is ten years old. Yeah. And <laughs> it's only a half an inch tall, but it's will ten I, year old. Will I ever step on one again? No. It's almost like if you you can think of them almost as like land coral, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um. So, anyways, I didn't take offense to it. I just you know I, I said thank you and 
I knew better and that was it. Yeah. And the best method is usually lead by example. Yeah. Just yeah. do, just do you, especially when you have kids and yeah. you know, you need to teach them right. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we've been rambling on. This is a, this is a longer episode. Uh, I swear to God, what can go wrong usually does go wrong when we try to do something that involves both recording video and audio. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. We had another 20 minutes for you, but uh, that is now lost, gone, gone into the abyss that is the trash bin of my MacBook Pro. I don't think you're really missing out much. We gave thanks to uh, the people who've supported this podcast. We reminded you that um, in about two weeks, there is a party at Maverick Saloon on May 26th from 6 p.m. to 11. Uh, Memorial Day kickoff, uh, Fast Friends clothing launch party, and just a good time with a bunch of four-wheeled friends. As usual, sorry for things being rough from time to time, but that's life. If you're not rolling with the punches, you're getting pummeled into the ground. And I say, let's roll. So thank you to Milestar Tires for always being supportive of various endeavors like parties and what have you. And for making a great set of tires for uh, for my Jeep and soon-to-be Subaru. Um, thanks to Magnaflow for supporting our efforts uh, back in the day and you know whether that continues or not they still make an amazing exhaust system that anybody would be lucky to have installed on their rig also huge thanks to rebel off-road once again one of those companies that has just been so involved within the community and supportive of that community they do a lot They don't talk about all that they do, but they're very involved from a grassroots level all the way up to uh, major sponsorships and and a massive presence at at given events. Um, For those of you on your way out to Overland Expo, I am jealous. Have a great time. I will be back here with Eric wrenching away on our Subarus. Um, You can find out more and see Eric's photos and his feed at American underscore Overland. And of course, me at Kate the Jeep. Uh, If you're interested about Fast Friends, check it out. Fastfriends.fun. F-U-N. We put the F-U in fun. (laughs) Hey guys, thanks again. Thanks for your patience. And as usual, more to come.